everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. Hello, Salon Pro. As pros, beauty boxes with sample sizes just don't cut it. How can you possibly know a product is right for your clients after trying a sample? You need full-size products to try, test, feel, and play with. Enter Hello Salon Pro, a full-size pros-only beauty box by The Tees. It's a bi-monthly subscription for salon professionals with five full-size products up to a $200 value for just $24.99 plus shipping. We send you everything from the most popular and trending brands to new innovations, large and small. Anything we think you might want to curate for your back bar or retail to your clients. Head to the tees.shop to subscribe for our next box, shipping every Friday starting February 15th. So here we are, another day, another pod. Okay, Jeff. So another day, another bad hair day, another good hair day. Our friends over at Vogue, speaking of hair days, covered the Mew Mew Fall 2023 show in Paris, which just wrapped. And their runway hair selection was curious. The models traded their polished ponytails and frizz-free lengths for artfully messy manes, section styled with a little sort of sculptural fashion. Mm -hmm. And some are calling it that the disheveled look is just that the bad hair day look on the runway. Do you have bad hair days? You have luscious curls. I don't know if those... I've got some curls right now. Um, do I have bad hair days? Absolutely. Um, it just depends on the day, truthfully. I identify with the way that... I. Well, first of all, let me just say, <laughs> the styling was pretty cool. It, like, it was it, cool. It, to your point, it is sort of structural. Like It, mm-hmm. it is m- messy, quote-unquote, but it's messy, air quotes. Um like artfully disheveled, like very French, mm-hmm. very European, very cool. I liked the vibe. I don't know that it would translate to the every day. Yeah. I have a feeling that someone would be like, so you're, oh, can you, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, your hair is sticking. Just lots of just sticking up right there. You got to fix that. If you are in couture and walk into said event, I think someone's going to fix your hair if it looks like this. But I do like the take on it. It certainly mixes up the look from the sleek back pony. For sure. And you know, as a as a daughter of a stylist, I've got to say, my bad hair days are far and few between. It's just ingrained in my psyche. <laughs> if, okay, that's a good... Mm-hmm. If you had a bad hair day, is it like you've determined for yourself that it's a bad hair day? Mm-hmm. Or does your mom, the stylist, say, Kel, you're having a bad hair day and she does something about it? I'd love to know. The latter, yes. That feels right. It was always a, can you poof your hair up a little <laughs> bit more? And mom, I hope you're listening because you know, you know how many thousands of times you said that to me. And now I go nowhere unpoofed. <laughs> Poofed all the time. Uh, uh, I mean, that feels that feels right as rain. It does. Honestly. Um, it led me to where I am today and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> all right. So we're doing a little bit of a special segment. Um, we've seen a lot of talk of a specific TikTok filter, the Bold Glamour filter. People have been writing about it. People have been talking about it. I have tried it. I have been horrified by the way that I look with it. And yeah, so we thought about, you know, this probably isn't good. Uh, And lo and behold, a paper, an article really, came across my desk. Um, We keep talking about this. We've got a great team that helps to supply us with some information. One such piece was a Psychology Today story called, Will New Hyper-Realistic Video Filters Harm Mental Health? Uh, We actually got to talk with one of the co-authors of that very piece here on the podcast, and I'm going to give you guys his bio. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Keith Feigenson who is an associate professor of psychology at Albright College, where he has been teaching since 2014. 
His graduate background was in developmental neuroscience, investigating the changes of neurons and glial cells in models of multiple sclerosis in the lab of Dr. Judith Grinspan at the University of Pennsylvania. Following this, he studied the perceptual and cognitive problems facing people with serious mental illnesses such as schizophrenia during his postdoc at Rutgers University in the lab of Dr. Steve Silverstein. Dr. Faginson currently explores how we can better understand neurobiological processes by studying human behavior with an emphasis on involving undergraduates in experiential learning. This is a really interesting conversation. I'm so glad that we got to have him. And without further ado, my chat with Dr. Keith Feigenson. All right. I am joined by Dr. Feigenson. Let's chat about this thing that's taking over the internet, which is this bold glamour filter. But before we get there, let's talk about filters generally. Um, from your perspective, your expertise, um, how are filters impacting us um, in terms of mental health, self-esteem? Would love to hear about it. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll just start off the bat that this isn't my central area of focus. Sure. The uh, co-writer of the post that we put up, Dr. Gwen Seidman, she's more of our kind of in-house resident expert on social media, and she does a lot with self-presentation. Uh, my area tends to be a little bit more on the intersection of how our own perceptual system can give us clues and insights into the human brain. I consider myself an educator of psychology, and I try to teach my students critical thinking skills mm -hmm. and how to best interpret information they come across or just new phenomenon that they see. So uh, I've been tangentially aware of the trends on social media. I'm not super online myself, but uh, one afternoon, as us faculty colleagues tend to do, we were just hanging out in Dr. Seidman's office, and she showed us uh, some of these effects for the bold glamour filter. She was like, hey, check this out. This is new. And we're just looking at it and I'm, I've seen other filters. I've used the fun filters on Zoom before sure. to, you know, give myself little cat eyebrows and yeah. stuff. But <laughs> so to that effect, this just kind of like blew me away in its power. So we did what boring nerdy academics do and went and looked at literature on all this stuff. And I mean, as far as I can tell, filter issues, as soon as social media has been a thing, mm -hmm. these effects started popping up. And for the most part, they are, you know, just another kind of like fun little thing. But there is, as kind of has been indicated, a, a little bit of a dark side to some of the filters, right? Like the ones with the little top hats or anything like that, I don't think are doing too much. But any of the filters that distort aspects of face, size, shape, appearance have been academically tied to changes in people's own self-perceptions and self-esteem. Uh, myself, Dr. Seidman, we are not the first persons to identify this. Mm. Going back a few years, I'm looking at it right now, there's a piece from CNM from AJ Willingham about uh, Snapchat specifically and how filters there were leading to changes so much so that they coined a term Snapchat dysphoria, mm -hmm. much along the lines of body dysmorphic disorder. And the problem comes into play when people who are online a lot and really engage with material to the point that they're making social comparisons with themselves and then these idealized versions of other people. So I, I find myself, a, a lot of the, the filters like uh, skin tone touch-ups and changing eyelash design and stuff like that, perfectly harmless. They can even be very practical for people to take pictures of themselves, bring to um, stylists and say like, you know, this is something that I'm trying to aim for. But I don't know if this is kind of like where you're coming from, but there was something reported that a few years ago, uh, plastic surgeons started seeing an increase in people coming in and trying to say, I want to look like this tweaked version of myself mm -hmm. that I found through filtering myself on 
Snapchat or other social media things. So my attitude on pretty much any of these products that companies put out is they can be cool, they can be useful, they can be fun, but any kind of information that'll help the consumer make decisions about how to apply themselves and any potential downsides should be available. And it's particularly an issue when you're dealing with maybe vulnerable populations. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate that perspective. And certainly, as you said, this is not a new phenomenon, but this particular filter is worrisome because of, as you're saying, it's not just augmented reality, it's totally distorted reality. Chopping off noses, smoothing skin, doing things that are just not possible, and then the impact that it has on the psyche. Would love to understand from your perspective, and you do touch on this in the piece with your co-author, what can people do about this? How do we make sense of, you know, this is out there, how do we mitigate the harm that it could potentially cause? Right. And and again, I'll say, like, I'm not a clinical psychologist, so I can't <laughs> sure, tell you, sure. like, you know, what the APA standards are. My, my approach, I, I guess there would be two sides of this. So one would be what can the consumer do? And then what can we advocate companies to do? Like, have companies make their messages very clear, like a pop up for their filters. This could be uh, tied to the age of the user. So that, again, vulnerable people, and I'm particularly thinking in the age range here, mm -hmm. when they click on something that they think is just kind of a fun uh, app or a fun program to download, that they're aware that there is information out there that they should be cognizant of in terms of their own mental health. I think the social media uh, platforms themselves could do probably more advocacy in terms of their own products and saying, well, we don't know what this is exactly, what, what the consequences are going to be, but here are some things we might anticipate or could speculate about. The Royal Society over there in uh, England, they put forward that uh, this is a little bit different for the bold glamour filters, but for when teens or adolescents or even people of any age are looking at pictures that there can be an indication that this has been edited, this is an idealized version. That's actually one of the things that I think is so powerful about this tool is that we're kind of combining a couple different phenomenon in the social sciences that we talk about. Upward comparison, where people compare themselves to like idealized, say, like influencers or celebrities or things like that and then their own kind of idealized self version. So before like filters, you can kind of tell there's like an uncanny valley thing when you're doing the whole live action video manipulation, or you're just changing like kind of like one little thing, like a, a, a skin tone tweak or something like that. So you don't get the kind of the whole, uh, just all like the whole image, but this one is just so amazing in its ability to do that, that people are literally going to be comparing themselves to like a, a metaverse version of themselves or like a, a Marvel cinematic universe alternate dimension being that they'll never be able to get like, again, for minor things like eyebrow shade or even like eye color, you can change that. But for like chin thickness and the, the type of facial distortions they do, they're never going to be able to get there. So that's from like the social media side. That's what they can do. But what can the consumers themselves do, we're seeing dramatic rises in the number of college students who are reporting mental health issues. Mm. And it isn't to say that these filters are the only cause of that, right? You can't count how many different causes like, you know, teens, adolescents, young adults have to go through. But I, I don't see how it's not a factor for someone who's online and is using the stuff. So I feel it's incumbent upon myself and other educators, anybody who works with people who are online might be vulnerable to uh, peer pressure or just pressuring themselves to look a certain way should tell people about the risks of these. Like we know from the CDC report that teen mental health, it's at a crisis at levels higher than ever since that information started being tracked. <laughs> we can give people information 
for them to make the best decisions. And just to kind of hammer home the point that this isn't reality, no matter like what you're looking at, they're using your face to create an entirely new image. And you should not have any expectations that you need to meet those standards. Mm. Plus, who said that they're the standards that everybody should use for beauty, right? There's a part of these things that if you know they're like a lark, and if you know they're just kind of fun, you can goof around with it. But like I've used filters on myself. I like to think I'm a confident middle-aged man. <laughs> and there's still a part of me that's like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> I don't look like that. That's sad. Like I I, I could look better, right? Mm-hmm. So I just think that there is a big potential for harm. And we really need to consider that. And companies like I, I feel really should think about potential outcomes down the line that they can anticipate and help people out who are using their products. Well, Dr. Fagenson. Honestly, we really do appreciate your time here. Um, This is a big hot topic, um, certainly not the last of it that we're going to be hearing and talking, um, but we appreciate your insights here um, and for helping to make people aware of this, um, as you described. So we're going to be linking to your piece in Psychology Today within our show notes to make sure that our audience can access. um, And yeah, just thank you for for joining us on the Volume Out podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel anybody who's interested in this area and has a platform can be communicating it. Uh, Might I add that uh, I come from a small school in upstate Pennsylvania. And for your audience, we actually, for our size school in Albright College, Reading, Pennsylvania, we actually have a top rated uh, fashion program. So if you have any young users who are interested in combining a liberal arts education with kind of the the fashion uh, sphere or pathway, then, uh, you know, give us a holler. I love that. All right. So I hope that you guys found that that was interesting. Um, I feel like I never want to touch that uh, filter ever again. Um, And I'm feeling a little bit guilty about having enjoyed others. Um, Let us know if you've engaged with the bold glamour filter, what you think about it, if you've liked it, if you dislike it, we want to hear more. Um, And if you want to hear more from people like Dr. Feigenson, please let us know. Um, We are thinking that this might wind up being a series. So we'd love to get your feedback. So on our last episode, we talked with Kayla Boyer, a Minneapolis-based stylist and salon owner. She owns Rose Salon and Dead Rose Salon Loft. Kayla specializes in creative color and is on the Pravana Collective team, as well as the Drop Dead Extensions Elite Artist team. When she's not styling bold, creative looks, she loves to travel. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volumeup at thetease.com. This week, we're talking with Angela Frenchie French, founder of French Made Hair Services. She's a 20-year licensed cosmetologist, artist, educator, bridal and texture expert, and trichologist practitioner specializing in all hair textures located in the heart of the DMV, which I feel like I've said this too casually. Mm-hmm. Um, the DMV is DC, MD, Maryland, and Virginia for all of those that are not from that area yeah um represent mm-hmm. um Frenchie <laughs> is known to be a jack of all textures in her field of hair mastery known for her texture management with natural and chemical hair care she's also an expert in extension and wig enhancements custom cuts coloring bridal and braiding she's learned how to master all textures and help aid in restoring the growth of hair from the proper product knowledge and hair regimens that help grow healthy manageable maintainable hair Another important thing that I think we should bring up today is there has been some major change to beauty regulation. And I'm thinking, yes, yes. Finally. There needed to be, right? Mm -hmm. In late December of last year, a bill passed in Congress implementing a massive long overdue update to the FDA's regulatory oversight of the industry. This was 80 years in the making, which seems curious, doesn't it? 
insane <laughs> to say it out loud. How did this happen? But keep going. It makes no sense. So I guess the FDA never had authority for product recalls, which what? Really? I am a naive consumer, admittedly, right? Too naive. All of us. Um, over the last years, there's been notable recalls in the industry. You know, the infamous dry shampoo recall, if you will. Um, and several others, but those were voluntary. They were not regulated by the FDA. So now they'll have an eye on manufacturers and formulas for customers for for customer safety, which again, it's about dang, it's about it's about damn time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> In fact, here's another shocking thing. Companies, beauty companies up until then didn't have to report adverse events to the FDA at all if they knew something was wrong. There was no reporting of it. And we're talking like health-related, life-threatening, hospitalization, disability, incapacity, absolutely mind-blowing. So we are progressing as a society, and I think it is 80 years overdue. What about you? I could not have said it better. Um, 80 years is, cr I just, it's it's a long time. I know. It is, and as you said, it's about damn time. Um yay for regulation you know this podcast there's lots of feelings about how people sort of think about regulation but in this case i feel like consumer safety we can all get around this we can you know i don't want to put something on my body that is going to cause me harm especially when people know that it will it's just not great and isn't it shocking to think about what have we already put on our bodies i know that now we're going to be pulled to the surface and like hmm I've been using that for quite a while. This seems scary. So we'll continue to report back to all of you on this. All right. Now let's talk about what is trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week on covering industry news, looking into trends and diving into the brands that you don't know about, but you should. And here are some of our favorite headlines from the tease.com. First up, six black hairstylists making waves on Hollywood film and TV sets. If you have ever noticed a serious lack of Black hairstylists working in TV and film, you're certainly not alone. Similarly to many other departments in Hollywood, there is an absence of Black talent within the realm of hair and makeup. Due to the disproportionate number of stylists who are skilled in styling textured hair, Black stars are often forced to style their own hair on set, which we've covered on our socials. Despite this progress that we've seen in regards to the inclusivity of Black talent on screen, the harsh reality is that there is still a blatant lack of diversity behind the camera. In honor of award season, we rounded up a few extremely talented Black hairstylists working at the forefront of the TV and film industry. Head to thetees.com to learn more about six Black creatives who are making major waves in Hollywood and deserve the recognition for doing so. Big names on this list, Kelly. Big names. We're fans of many of the projects. Um, what are your thoughts on this piece? Yeah, I mean, for me, the one that I could just see beaming with the smile was Mia Neal, mm. right? So her in the Creative Arts Emmys with her Emmy. I mean, what a moment for a stylist to be standing there. And, you know, one of the first Black hairstylists to take home an Oscar for makeup and hairstyling back in 2021. Um, she's still killing it today. So an awesome list. I love pulling out those creators that are behind the scenes. And we need more of this in our industry. We do. We do. And with any luck, um, this will serve as an example for people that are thinking maybe I want to go into. Yes. And this could be, you know, a good example, some mentorship, perhaps. We'd love to see more talent being able to work with all hair textures. Uh, but check out that piece on the tease.com. All right. Next up, we're very excited about this. This is a new thing for 2023. Our tech touch-ups, but for March. 
Inspired by the internet world and adapted for the beauty space, our monthly tech touch-ups for March are available now. Designed for stylists, makeup artists, estheticians, massage therapists, nail techs, and anyone in the beauty industry, we created mobile phone backgrounds to infuse a bit of fun, beauty, and newness into your routine. Pick up the March designs for your phone's tech touch-up on thetease.com. Kelly, which of these new designs is your current lock screen? Yeah, well, I'm repping the brand and it's the Tease logo and name over and over and then reversed out. Very, very cool. And you know what? I don't change my lock screen often, but this one got me. And I'd like you to say tech touch-ups on the tease again, please. No, I, I won't. I won't. I will not do that again to myself. I don't encourage any of you listening to do that for us either. Um, but yeah, go to thetease.com and download them because they're free and they're fun. Fun. And if you're using them, let us know. Tag us. We'd love to see them in, in use. Yeah. All right. Next up, meet the finalists for the 2023 ABS Global Image Awards. We just got a massive step closer to learning which talented artists will be named winners of the 2023 ABS Global Image Awards. The international industry competition, which is hosted by America's Beauty Show by Cosmetologist Chicago, has officially named this year's finalists. The winners of the ABS Global Image Awards will be announced during a huge 100th America's Beauty Show celebration and presentation taking place during America's Beauty Show on the evening of Saturday, April 15th. Each of the nine professional categories will offer a single winner, and additionally, one extraordinary submission will be awarded the Leo Passage Gold Trophy Award in honor of the late Pivot Point International founder and Cosmetologist Chicago member, Leo Passage. Head to thetease.com to take a look at the 2023 ABS Global Image Award finalist, Kelly. The finalists are so impressive, all of them. But which category are you most into? What's calling to you? You know, I always love a good take on the barbering category myself. Sometimes I think it's overlooked. So I love that. And, you know, I also, I got a shout out to the students because think about putting yourself out there in a global competition at one of the largest trade shows in the country. So shout out to them. I, I love to see people entering and mentoring. Love it. As always, so much going on thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. This week, Jeff is talking with Angela Frenchy French, founder of French Made Hair Services. Gotta love the ring to that. Her podcast interview is up next. Frenchy, Angela French, founder of French Made Hair Services, is a 20-year licensed cosmetologist, artist, educator, bridal and texture expert, and trichologist practitioner specializing in all hair textures located in the heart of the DMV. She's also known to be a jack of all textures in her field of hair mastery. Honing her skills in the techniques of the past, the latest trends of the present, and future styles to come, she's known for her texture management with natural and chemical hair care, and is an expert in extension, wig enhancements, custom cuts, coloring, bridal, and braiding. Throughout her professional career, she's always been dedicated to continuing her education. She's learned how to master all textures and help aid in restoring the growth of hair from the proper product knowledge and hair regimens that help grow healthy, manageable, and maintainable hair. Working alongside a variety of artists, models, and a host of colleagues in the industry, she has developed a love of working with a diverse clientele and has come into her own as an expert artist behind the scenes of photo shoots, magazines, fashion shows, and movies. Some of her work has been featured in various hair magazines, local and international, multiple runways, the silver screen, and more. Becoming an expert bridal artist is another passion she enjoys in the industry, which called to her, and she believes that she can elevate your wedding day look that will have more heads turning than any leading lady or top model. 
You guys, I am joined by the one and only Frenchie. Frenchie, welcome to the Volume Up Podcast. How's it going? Hi. Hey, everybody. Thanks for the invite. I truly, truly feel honored for this moment. <laughs> well, we are honored to have you with us. Uh, Frenchie, for those who are unfamiliar, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Tell us about how you got to the beauty industry. Did you always know that you were going to be hairstylist? Oh, interesting. So I kind of got an early start in the beauty industry. Yeah. Right. So I kind of got an early start start meaning in high school it was the trade program was offered then mm -hmm. so that's when I actually decided to join in I say my sophomore year so it was a three-year program mm -hmm. so by the time I graduated I was uh, I completed the test graduated and got my license but it wasn't my first choice in my career it was more of a backup plan okay before I decided to get started so I say high school was when I was really first introduced what did you think you would do what was the this was the backup to what Oh, so my original dream career girl, I was going to become a veterinarian. Uh -huh. So that was my, yeah, I was, I'm still an animal lover. That's my passion uh -huh. on the side, but that's like my little secret hobby. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like a dog whisperer. <laughs> I do claim that. But um, yeah, I had a vision of becoming this wonderful veterinarian and just pursuing goals and stuff like that and maybe working in a zoology field. Mm -hmm. But, you know, things happen. I had a change of heart. Mm -hmm. And once I got more into being a hairstylist, because I would still go back home for the weekends, holidays. I had a nice little clientele built up. Uh -huh. I used to work in, um, not sure if you ever remember, Regis. Incorporated. It was another franchise. So yep. that's where I basically started out working in there back and forth in school. Um, I'd stayed in, I stayed in the agriculture department and, you know, graduated with a BS in plant science, horticulture. Mm -hmm. But again, I wanted to pursue more of my dreams in the hair industry because I started getting more into my creativity, uh, working behind the scene. I was interested in working with a brand. So I leaned more onto that once I graduated. Oh, wow. So you're starting in a franchise, working out of Regis. Mm -hmm. How did you get exposed to all that the industry has to offer? Because you've done a lot and we're going to get into that. Yeah. You really had your hands in everything. Yes. <laughs> um, but like when you were starting, did you know that that was going to be available to you? I didn't know right away. I knew I had to earn my keep, basically. Mm. You know, I had to work my way up to a certain level just to get in the, that type of level I was looking for. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I was introduced to hair at an early start in high school. Um, and my first hair show was in high school. Mm. So by that being said, it kind of gave me, you know, it opened up that option like, oh, this is where it could take me. So once I graduated, you know, high school, I decided still to continue my college endeavors. But I still had in the back of my mind, like, it's something about this industry that's really gravitating to me. Mm -hmm. I love making people feel good about themselves and the creativity that was involved in it, the knowledge, you know, it was just a lot. So it just brought me more into it. And I just wanted to try to capture those moments, those opportunities when they came. Wow. Uh, and you've definitely made a career out of doing exactly that, yes. which again, we're going to get into. Um, the first thing, though, that I want to talk about is French made. So how did this happen? How did you decide you were going to go do it? Like, talk to us about it. Well, actually, French made is my second name, my second brand name. I went by, I used to go by Unique Styles by Frenchie. <laughs> okay. So that being said, I was working in another salon at the time, maybe I think it was around 2000. Between 2013-15, I was going through like, not an identity crisis, but I'm trying to figure myself as a name brand for my my business. Uh -huh. And I knew Unique Styles by Frenchie was just kind of too common. And, you know, it just clicked in my head one day, French made. And I was like, 
oh, so I just started thinking about it. Instead of spelling it like French maid, mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, I can put my name, Frenchie, take the IE off, maid, because I'm making people feel beautiful about themselves. So yep. that's kind of how I got the name French maid <laughs> and it came about that way. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and super fun. Why? I mean, like in terms of branding, like you definitely remember that one, which is yes. half the battle. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so bridal styling. Mm-hmm. Yes. My heart. How did this happen? I mean, you had, <laughs> you'd done a lot. Yes. You'd done editorial, you'd done TV, like bridal styling is a beast and I want to get into it. Um, it is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's a hustle. Oh. Um, so how did this happen? How, like talk to us about like maybe your first bridal client. Like what was that conversation like? Well, you know, that kind of just, like I said, I've always was into hair. And I could say I might be related back to when I started doing my own hair. Mm-hmm. So back when I was styling my hair in high school, I used to have these magazines. They used to be like Word Up magazines or hair styling, Black Beauty magazines. Mm-hmm. And they used to have like directions on how to style your hair. And they used to have pretty nice, pretty pin curl updos, the, the style that was back in that time. And I would sit in the mirror for four hours, literally four hours, creating the same look, mm. just reading the directions. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where my love of being creative, how to style and be artistic with hairstyling. That's when I noticed I was, I had a little, you know, bug for that. And then just out the blue, you know, clients, my regular clientele, they have special occasions that ask me to create an upstyle for them. So I kind of just basically naturally got into it on my own. Mm-hmm. So I eventually decided to work for a bridal company. And once I started working with them, I just realized, hey, maybe this is something I might want to start sticking with, you know, get more into it. And the bridal world is just, this is a whole nother industry in its own. <laughs> sure is. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So talk to us about when you're consulting with a bride um, and she's interested in you working with her plus the party. Mm-hmm. What what are you talking through? Like, what are the things that you have to have in place mm-hmm. in order to make this successful? Because there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm, no. You want to respect the bride's vision, I'm sure. Yes, but like yes. you are the actual stylist and you know what's going to have to happen in order for this to be. So exactly. Talk to us about that. I, I'm fascinated already. All right. Thank you. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to bridal styling. But you have to, as being a bridal style, you have to be focused on the bride herself mm. and listen to what she wants. Because at the end of the day, it's about her. It's not about everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you can try to please everybody. You can't please them all. <laughs> but we're going to please these brides. That's what you want to do. Yep. So you listen to what vision they're coming with you with. Let them know, you know, let them know that's what you're there to cater to. They will let them, let you know about their bridal party, but let them know specifically your services are more, you know, directed to her mm-hmm. and you'll get the bridal party up to par, but you know, the talent is really where she's at. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of that talent, the bride, mm-hmm. um, when you're doing your consultation with her, um, if she's got a vision for something mm-hmm. and you know that this is not going to come together, like what, mm-hmm. is, what does that look like? Is it always the, the customer's right? Or is it a situation where like you've got to say, no, no, it's not on the cards. Like talk to us about that. You want to be honest with yourself, yourself and the bride. Mm. If you know a certain look is not really becoming for her, then be honest about that because mm. that's what you're there for. You're providing the service and information mm-hmm. and the vision to capture for them. So you want to make sure that you understand the shape of the um, bride's facial features, mm-hmm. what they're going to wear, if that look actually accommodates, because you will run into that type of situation. So I prefer to see 
the whole look. Sure. I want to know what your the colors are. I want to know what your dress look like. If you're going to change your dress, mm-hmm. I want to know if what time of the wedding is it going to be early wedding, night wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, everything makes a big difference. You want to know like how long the ceremony might be, how long the banquet. Mm-hmm. So these things are key factors in knowing what type of hairstyle will accommodate that bride. And you got to understand their hair texture. Mm-hmm. If that texture can pull it off mm-hmm. or if you can pull that texture off. So being versatile as a stylist is key. I'm telling you, especially in bridal styling. Definitely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some gems in there. Um, yeah, <laughs> truly. Frenchie, I got to ask Okay. Um, on the podcast. We talked about a hairstylist who worked with a bride um, and in order to execute a style that the bride wanted, she wound up gluing the client's ears to her head. <laughs> would you in your, <laughs> would you go that far? Or is this something that you would just be like, look, this look <laughs> doesn't work for, for you. And we're not going to go there. I'd love to hear your take on that. I just want to make sure I heard what I heard correctly. <laughs> you, you heard me correctly. She glued the client's ears to the side of her head in order to accommodate the hairstyle that she was going with. <laughs> okay, so now you just gave me an idea what type of claws to add in my uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> contract. <laughs> I am not a plastic surgeon or any type of... <laughs> That's the pull quote. That's the pull quote right there. Yep. <laughs> if it if don't fly, I can't know. We're not going to re-alter your body to create a style. If, it's, if, if I have to do that, if it's something where I can't re-alter your hair itself, mm-hmm. then it's not for you. It's not for you. It's just not for you. And again, that's where the stylists have to become honest mm-hmm. with themselves and be like, hey, I'm gonna be we're not I'm going trying there. to yeah, we're not gonna Woo, that was I would love to have been on that wedding party. <laughs> I know, it's a doozy. I mean, pictures are forever, but you know, the glue, that the paint, I you know, anyway. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we try, we try what's your favorite part about doing bridal styling? Um, like, cause you've done a few. Um, I'm just honored. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, of course, the after part, you know, if I can stay for the whole service, <laughs> sure. that's always the icing on cake, you know, perks, right. The perks. <laughs> but to me, it's just being able to be there for them, just mm-hmm. creating this vision, uh, you know, bringing their whole bridal, bridal vision to life. It's like you, you're creating something, a memory, mm-hmm. you know, it lasts forever. Those pictures last forever. I was going to say, so, yep, yep. <laughs> so the look better be right. If you look down the line and you see one here, I'm like, ah, I'm cringing. So you just better make sure that they're picture ready in one point. Mm. So yeah, that's my, my, my takeaway from it is basically just being in the moment with them and creating these looks. Mm. Yep. All right. So Frenchie, what is in your kit? To get that photo ready hair. That's what I want to know. Ooh. So like you like a, a normal day, mm-hmm. you're like rolling up with what? Okay. Well, that's a lot, to be honest. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. That's why I want to get into it. Like this is so cool. Yeah, that's that's like you about to have me pull out all kinds of stuff, Mother Trick. Yep. Because yep. the thing is you can't just have one product or one tool. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm very versatile with my hair texture knowledge and understanding what type of textures I'm working with. Yep. So I bring the whole salon with me mm. <laughs> pretty much. When I unpack, everybody's looking like, "Wow, you have a lot." I'm like, "Yes, yes." I don't know who's about to sit in my seat. It's, I might know the bride, but I don't know her party. Mm. So it's like you have to really make sure you have the right tool, whether it's the right curling iron, flat irons, whether it's the right comb, right tail comb, a uh, uh, right tail comb, and a teasing comb, teasing brushes, round brushes. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Then it goes down to your product. Mm-hmm. So the products can go. 
it could go from like your curly hair to just your straight blowout hair. If you're doing extensions, you know, if you're doing braids or if you, even down to men, mm-hmm. the men are getting into the groomings now for brides. Oh, for sure. So yeah, definitely want to be prepared. You just have to be prepared. Mm. That's what you're, you're bringing the service to them. So if you don't have everything that you need to provide these services, then your professionalism is going down from right there. Jump. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of professionalism, Mm -hmm. I know that you're prepared for these gigs. Like you're talking about bringing in a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes, though. That's not the physical equipment. Uh, So in terms of like making sure that your business is right, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, If someone out there, one of our listeners is thinking like they want to make this happen for themselves. Mm -hmm. They want to start their own business. They want to, you know, maybe purchase a salon or start one. What's the first thing in your perspective that they should do to make sure they're on the up and up, they're legit? Well, first of all, when you get into a certain career, when you choose one, you want to do your research. Make sure the career is right for you. Mm. It might look, if you see all the glitz and glam, but there's some, like you said, there's some serious things behind the the behind the scene that people don't understand or might not have been educated on. Mm-hmm. So do your research, find out what it takes to become that that professional, become certified. That's very important. Certifications, licensing is very important because that's what separates you from the rest. Yep. Might not be from the best, but that's what separates your professionalism from the rest of you know the world. So and, and it's like you want people to take you seriously, mm-hmm. especially if you're really into hair care and hair education product knowledge. You know, you want to understand the product knowledge so you know what products to use for certain textures. So do your research. Also figure out what, what your state, whatever state you live in, figure out the regulations, what's the requirements to becoming for that type of um, profession. You know, do your research on how much it, it costs for you to rent out booths because it's, it's a big difference in being a, a salon mm-hmm. and owning a booth, a suite. So I've seen people come in and out. So you just got to be careful with that. For sure. Yep. Research, research, research. And education. That's another. <laughs> there. Stay educated. <laughs> Stay educated. Um, are there any resources that you'd recommend? Obviously, yourself, you're a resource to people. If they're interested, <laughs> I'm sure they could send you a DM. Yes. <laughs> but is there like any people out there that you look to for like business advice that you might want to amplify or signal boost? Um, I've, it's been a while, so may she rest in peace. But my um cosmetology teacher from high school, she was always my go-to. Ah. Like she was like my mentor, Miss Holland. May she rest in peace. But anytime I had an issue, I used to go straight to her and ask for ah. advice. And she just puts you in the right direction. She gets you right on track and like this is for you. So I'm I'm very honored to have her like as a teacher for me. Mm. And as business-wise, I always gravitate to other influential people in the industry mm-hmm. that I work with. So I might ask some business tips here and there. Mm-hmm. And also your clients become your number one resource as well. Sure. Oh my goodness. It's, you'll be surprised how much your clientele will link you to the right path of what you're doing. Mm. You know, <laughs> barter systems. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you're right. I mean, like it's a two-way street so often, like you're spending so much time with these people and making those yeah. connections. And like, if you can help them and they can help you, yeah. you know, we love it. Um, and I love that you mentioned mentorship. We've talked so much on our podcast about the importance of mentorship, yes. cultivating yes. that relationship between mentor and mentee. Um, so wonderful to hear that you had that experience. Um, yes. We know that it make or break a stylist. It does. It will. Yeah. Um, what are some things, some hiccups that you ran into when you were like first trying to get your business off of the ground mm-hmm. that you might want to share with folks? 
Um, I would say hiccups I've ran into, I would say would be in the marketing um, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's even more complicated now. And back then you had to do more footwork, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. if you wasn't really good with yourself back then, you had to really put yourself out there. You had to go out and pass those flyers out, put them mm-hmm. on the cars, <laughs> go door to door, whatever you had to do, yep. give out these crazy deals, you know, because yep. people couldn't really physically see your work. Mm-hmm. But now since marketing is so easy, it's just like, right there in the palm of your hands, yep. you know, it's kind of, it make it a little bit more easy. It's another job. Don't give me, that's another topic, but. That is, when we talk about that on this podcast a lot, that is a full-time gig. That's a full-time gig. And all the power to everybody out there, all of the pros who are trying to make this happen for themselves. It's like, it'll make or break you, yep. but it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but it's really good overall as far as having a live portfolio on hand. <laughs> do you think that cosmetology schools should do a better job of helping people that are coming up to to learn about how to market themselves? Ooh, now let's, that's a whole nother topic in the cosmetology schools. Now it, we, we need some big improvement <laughs> in a lot of areas, but let's talk about that. We've got time, Frenchie. We need some readjustments, right? <laughs> but yes, they should focus a lot on the marketing as well, because it's important. Like what did somebody tell me? It was like a few years ago. I don't know if it's still right. The estimate, um, the percentage, the percentile of people who graduate and actually become successful out of cosmetology schools only seven to ten percent. That's very low. Yep. Yeah, we might see a lot going on, but as far as having your business legit and you know running mm-hmm. with no hiccups or anything, seven to ten, that's very small. So that's very telling. Mm-hmm. Slim margins, not good. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Last question for this section, I guess. Okay. Is like what could happen if you don't get all, all of your paperwork in place, well, all of your licenses, all of the, the stuff? Well, you know, that Uncle Sam, they call him. <laughs> uh-huh. He might come and knock in sooner or later. So knock, knock. it's like it's very important to have all your legal aspects, everything in order, yeah. because you don't want that. You know, you don't want your business to become a failure. Mm-hmm. You don't want to end up stop doing something that you love. So just having those things in order, yep. make sure you, you know, go on the USDA, just look and see what's the requirements, the Board of Cosmetology, what's the requirements, the DLLR requirements, whatever requirements it is, do it. It's beneficial. It just helps you and helps you in the long run and keeps you safe. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Good advice. Um, okay. So people might not know this. Mm-hmm. But I connected with you via the Texture versus Race 2022 Summit in Baltimore, yeah. where I met your made your acquaintance. Oh, you can't see my shirt. Yep. I have my shirt on today. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh huh. So tell me how you got connected with the TVR Collaborative. Okay. Well, long story. I've met Kia. It's been well over ten years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were working under another brand. That's how we got um, connected with each other. Mm-hmm. And I've just always watched her flourish and just grow mm-hmm. within the industry. And I noticed she started. She actually started the color culture first, yep. and then came along TVR. Yep. And I was just all I'm already. I was already intrigued with the color culture, the knowledge and stuff that she brings to that. Just phenomenal. But then when she brought up the texture versus race program, I was like this is something, whoa, wait a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've always wanted to work with another brand that helped represent it, the person, the type of stylist I am myself. Because mm. again, I'm big on education and being professional and understanding texture knowledge and stuff like that. So it's like, it just really ran up my alley. And again, I'm versatility with my hair, mm-hmm. you know, services. So 
it's like being a hairstylist, why only limit your skills with certain textures? That's just, again, I hate to bring it up. That's just discrimination of hair, you know? Yep, it is. No, and this is the place to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, right. It is absolutely not right. Ooh. I mean, like, let's be clear. Let's be clear. That stylists are not working with all textures, don't have knowledge, don't have interest is hugely problematic. Yeah. Huge problem. Big, big. And I'm glad you talked about it. Yes. So, yeah, sorry. Not sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's good. Like, like I said, it, coming into this industry, you have to be acceptance of everyone because mm -hmm. you never know who's going to sit in your chair or what type of hair they're going to have. Exactly. And no matter what skin color, yep. they could be as pale and have the tightest curl. Mm -hmm. They could be darker complexion and have the straightest, mm -hmm. you know, or waviest. Mm -hmm. It's just you never know. But you have to be willing to be open and ready to take on those challenges. Well, not really a challenge, but just take on that type of customer mm -hmm. and help them to get to whatever level that they're trying to achieve with that service mm -hmm. you're providing, you know? Mm -hmm. yep. I love that. Uh, so what was your experience of this summit that, that we just had in, in Baltimore a couple of months back? Oh, every time we have a summit, I'm just like always blown away. It's always a different vibe, but it escalates even higher because mm. the message is being put out. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but this time I feel like the message was received a little bit more and give back to us because the replies that we were getting from it, it was just wow. So it's just really good to see that this message is really being heard mm -hmm. and people are really taking a stand like, hey, let's bridge this gap. Like hair is just a fabric, you know, mm -hmm. it shouldn't matter who or what, where that come from. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to style it, cut it, treat it, whatever, it shouldn't matter who it, who it comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hair. Mm -hmm. It is a beautiful thing. It is. Everyone has. <laughs> it is. Everybody has it. And it is beautiful. I think that that's perfect. I love that you brought that the fabric um bit in i yes. mean the the theme was fabric and community yes um and yeah i mean you're you're exactly right like we should all embrace those textures work with them mm -hmm. you know yeah all right yes. we are going to get into our quick takes frenchie these are the questions that we ask yes. of all of our guests we don't want you to think about it for too long so just like quick associations okay what was the first ever product that you owned that you remember either getting for yourself per request or that you bought for yourself where you were like i gotta have this Ah, I'm a thing off top. It was so long ago, but if for some reason, I feel like it was pink oil moisturizer. <laughs> okay. Pink oil because I like back then we didn't do the type of styles we're doing now, yeah. but I always wanted to make sure my hair was moisturized and had a nice little shine to it. So I, mm -hmm. I do recall keeping that bottle around. So yeah, I feel like that might've been a, either a comb brush, but if not a product, that was the product for me. Mm. Core memory. <laughs> I feel you. Okay. Are you superstitious? And if so, about what? Are you like superstitious, like walking in the room with a black cat type? I mean, it could be. That could, that could be your superstition. I don't know. I don't want to <laughs> well, lead I, you. Well, I try not to think of negative superstitious things. Okay. I do more positivity thinking. Like I do burn my sage and stuff like that. Sure. I say manifestations every morning. And, you know, I try to do superstitious things that will bring something good back to me. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm, I love that. Uh, we could all use a little bit more of that. Yeah. I don't need to worry about crossing a black cat or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Cats are friendly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Cats are friendly. You're right. Um, back to the animal thing, Frenchie. Uh, bring it all back. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, yes. Who would play you in a biopic of your life? Oh, let me think. That's a good question. So many beautiful women out there. Mm, if I would have to pick. I'm a big fan of, <laughs> I would say 
it might seem kind of crazy, but I don't know why, but Jill Scott for some reason, because she's just a strong, beautiful black woman. Mm. And I feel like she takes certain key roles and just brings it out when she when she gets the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you see her, she does, it's, she kind of almost reminds me a little bit because she does so much. But, you know, it's like she stays humble at the same time with it. <laughs> so I would say I would be honored. <laughs> uh, I just I love that you picked yes. her. She's such a tremendous actress. I mean, like people may be more familiar with her as a singer. Yes. Because she's also great at that. But but she does a lot of great things. So I'm the only acting. Yeah, she she really does. Oh, that's a good one. I can see it. OK, what do you consider to be the ultimate comfort food? Mm. I'm I'm. I'm really big in Asian cuisine. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's always something for me easy to whip up mm. for one. So, and it's, it's very comforting for me. Like I love, um, pho. I'm a big fan of pho. Mm. Whenever I have like a bad sick day or I always go get a bowl and I'm good or any type of uh, soup dish that comes from it or mm-hmm. yeah, anything comforting with that. I just, and anything with rice. <laughs> mm. Mm. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that actually. Thank you. Um, we don't often get that. So, yeah. but it is super comforting. It is comforting. <laughs> okay. Last question that we've got for you. Say that you're on a deserted island mm-hmm. and you can only bring three beauty products. Ooh. What are you bringing? I'm just going to qualify this. You don't have to worry about water, sunblock. Like the, we, we're good. Nothing, nothing bad is going to happen to you. I'm good. Okay, I'm about to tell you. I already know. Okay, great. Let's go. I already know because I don't need much. I have a lot of hair, mm-hmm. but again, I'm <laughs> I'm simple type. I don't have to use a lot to do what I need to do, mm. and I'm very creative. So I'm sure Mother Nature will help bring my nutrients sure. and whatever I need mm-hmm. to provide to keep my hair cleansed and healthy and manageable. Mm-hmm. But just give me a comb, brush, and a scrunchie. Wow, something to tie my hair up. That's it. Easy. Comb and brush That's it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Easy. I'm <laughs> All right. Well, this was a pleasure. Um, <laughs> let's make sure that you plug. So where can people find Frenchie online, on social? Let us know. Well, online, actually, my website is www.frenchmade.com, but you can also see and visit my page on Instagram, which is www.instagramfrenchmade. Yep. Okay. Easy. And this is all going to be in the show notes. So don't you worry. We're going to make it nice and easy for people to find you. Frenchie, Mm -hmm. it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate Like I said, I'm honored to be on the podcast. This is my actual first podcast. So thank you guys. And you killed it. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. (laughs) All right. All right, Jeff. So I like the jack of all textures. I don't think I've heard it responded or said that way before, but I like it. Yeah. I think that it's so important. I mean, we talked about this at the top of the podcast that yeah. hairstylists are able to work with all textures. Yes. It's a big thing for Frenchie. It's a big thing for a number of our guests on this podcast and love talking with her about what she's been up to, her approach to staying busy. I, I just, I mean, I, I don't know how to keep up, um, but what a fun, what a fun combo. <laughs> that was a good one. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. <laughs>